One way to maintain your lifestyle in retirement is to make sure your plan evolves with you. On today's show, we'll highlight some steps to take to help you get it. Welcome in to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. And welcome in, everybody. This is The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Now, this is the show where we blow the lid on financial fouls. Uh, Steve is a best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He is president of Laura Wealth Solutions. He's a highly sought-after speaker. He trains other advisors on how to really advise folks into retirement through that transition phase. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Steve. How are you doing this evening? Oh, very well, thank you. Yeah, that, that is kind of your, your specialty. Your, uh, you know, that's, what you, that's what you've done for your, most of your career, isn't it? It's just helping folks transition into retirement. It's exactly what I've done. I mean, I, so I don't work with a lot of younger folks. Most of my clients are usually either in retirement or within three to five years of retirement. Okay. And then, I mean, again, that kind of leads us into what we're talking about here, because as you get close to retirement and that financial red zones, we like to say, um, there are things that we can do that will help our retirement along. And one of them is uh, the, the catch-up contributions. We've talked about them before, but they can really be, uh, you know, a pretty big deal and a pretty pretty big addition to our, our uh, income plan. Yeah. No, I mean, so just think about you know, and if you're you're married and have a couple of children, if you if you paid for their college education, right? Chances are that's money that you weren't saving into your retirement. So when you get into your fifties and maybe the maybe your children are now graduating school and hopefully they have jobs and and incomes of their own, um, now's the time to catch up. And so what the IRS does is they recognize that uh, a lot of Americans, as they get into their fifties, are are behind where they need to be in terms of savings. So they allow you to contribute extra money to your retirement accounts. Okay, that and that if when if and when I guess, I think it's when the Secure Act two point passes, there's going to be even more of an opportunity for even older folks. In other words, they're allowing even bigger catch-up contributions if you're 62, 63, 64. That's a pretty big deal, too. Yeah, that, I mean, you're talking about being able to contribute over $30,000 into your, your plan every year. Uh, you know, and that, that could either go, if your plan offers a Roth, that could go into either Roth or, uh, or traditional. Well, and again, that makes for a that makes for a good retirement, right? When that day comes, you can relax, and and that's really what you want. You want to teach people, and and you want to help them make that transition and create the lifestyle that they want. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, I mean, just think about with Secure Act 2.0, right? Let's just think about a 62 year old for a second. They're putting in, you know, the twenty thousand five hundred plus the ten thousand dollar contribution, assuming Secure Act. If you do that for three years. Well, you've just put $91,500 in, and now if your company's matching, that that could be almost $100,000 going into your plan in the last three years of your work, which is a huge, a huge uh, boost to your retirement. Well, and I think a lot of folks get to that point, and to, if you are able to do that, what a relief, because I know so many folks, you know, we don't always plan as well as we should. We don't always save as much as we should, but here's an opportunity to really catch up. That's the whole idea. Right, and so one of the things that I also want to talk about, so a lot of people, and I think the two go hand in hand, because this is a question that I see all the time. Obviously, I'm working with people in this situation all day long. So let's let's look at someone who now, they find themselves with enough income coming in to maintain their lifestyle. And maybe for a lot of people, your spending has even dropped a little bit because of COVID. You're, you haven't been going out as much or or doing as many things. So you feel like you have a little bit more savings. And so what I hear a lot of is you might have someone who has 
say, three years till retirement and they have $100,000 left on their mortgage and they say, well, I'm going to just pay down my mortgage. Well, chances are, if you refinance before rates started to go up, which most people did, they might, you might have a 3 or 4% interest rate on your mortgage. You'd be much better actually carrying that uh, a little bit of a balance into retirement and plugging the more money into your retirement account to increase those retirement assets that you're going to live on because what's going to be paramount in retirement is having enough liquidity. So once you once you use that liquidity to pay off your house, it becomes once you retire, if you have a, a cash crunch, it becomes a lot harder to get that out. So using so sometimes people will say, well, I don't have the money to do the catch up contributions. Well, maybe you do because maybe you've been putting extra money to your mortgage or um, you know, there, there are ways, there are things that you can do to find more money to be able to contribute into your, your plan. So as you put this plan together, you're looking at, uh, you know, I'm looking at maybe, you know, two, three, four, five accounts, depending on a 401k or a brokerage account, whatever it is. How do we know what to do first? And, and I guess that's why we turn to you, the uh, independent fiduciary advisor to say, all right, this is what makes sense and, and give us some options. Right. And that's, it's, it's, it's all about which levers you pull, right? So anyone can retire. It's what trade-offs and what choices do you want to make and what's important to you. And so what we want to look at is the type of assets that you own. And we want to make sure you own those assets in the right type of accounts. I, I'll, I, you know, I look at the, I look at retirement statements all day long. And so I'm always amazed where someone will have done the right thing in terms of setting up a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, mm -hmm. but then they have their whole Roth invested in a stable value fund at 2%. So the whole benefit of the Roth is the tax-free growth. So you'd want to own your stock portfolio ideally in Roth because everything that you make on it is going to be tax-free. And the whole benefit over time is that the stocks are going to hopefully grow faster than anything else. Then in then correspondingly, they'll have their most aggressive stuff inside their IRA and they'll say, well, you know, I'm not paying any tax. It's tax deferred. But a lot of times they're buying and holding. They're not they're not trading in and out. So they're not avoiding any kind of short term capital gains. And so it'd be much smarter if you're buying and holding a fund to own it in a brokerage account where it's treated as long term capital gain, as opposed to everything that you make in the pre-tax IRA is going to eventually be taxed as income. So. Also, you you know, from an estate planning standpoint, it's also smarter to own it in a brokerage account because you get a, a step up on death. So it's about looking at what you have. First off, making sure you're not paying unnecessary fees, which is why we do for every everyone, everyone who sits down with us, we do a fee analysis that shows you what you're paying in fees right now as a percentage, but also in dollars. Because I think when you look at things in dollars and you say, wow, I'm paying $15,000 a year to this, this advisor, plus another $5,000 of mutual fund fees, there's very few services that you'd pay $20,000 a year for. And so, you know, that's, that's helpful to know when you look at it in dollars, number one. Number two, we want to make sure you're not paying unnecessary taxes, which is going back into what I was just saying earlier. It's owning the right types of investments in the right types of accounts. And then looking to see, have you saved enough? And if you haven't, what are the things that you need to do to get back on track? That's important too. You worked your whole life to save this money and you want to enjoy it. Yes, you don't want to run out of money, but you, you don't want to be so restrictive in your retirement. And then, you know, you can't take it with you as the old saying, right? That's so, exactly right. That's really what, what it's all about is kind of getting to where you need to be in retirement and, and to be able to see things with new eyes. That's what I, I you know, when, when you sit down with an advisor, that's it. And, and let's give folks an opportunity to do that. Yeah, so... 
we we uh, offer a spot to our listeners every week. We have 15 spots. What we're going to do in those meetings is we're going to hash out what you want your retirement to look like. And then we're going to come up with a roadmap of how to get there. And we're going to look at what you have. And this is one of the big kind of negatives of our industry. One of the things that I don't do that, uh, but our industry gets a bad rap because a lot of people do do this. Not everything that you've ever invested in is bad. So a lot of times when you go to meet with a financial planner, people get scared to meet with a financial planner because they're saying, well, they're going to just tell me everything I did was wrong. And then they're going to pick up all new new stuff. Well, no, most likely not everything that you you did was wrong. You probably have some good things. We want to keep the things that are good that and, and explain to you why they're good and why you should own them. But there's probably one or two things that probably you can improve on. And that's those are the things that we're going to we're going to point out. And it's completely independent, completely objective. Uh, we have 15 spots left. We'd love to hear from you. 800-705-9995. That's the number to call. You heard Steve. 15 callers to get that comprehensive financial review. And again, no cost, no obligation. Just make that phone call. 800-705-9995. How to navigate your retirement in a volatile market is no easy task. When we come back, we'll outline some ways to get you to the kind of retirement you've always wanted. We're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. We're uh, blowing the whistle on financial flower flowers. I don't think so. <laughs> well, we could do that, too, I suppose, Steve. Steve is a best-selling author, Cookie Cut This. He is president and founder of Laurelwell Solutions. Let me direct you to his website because it's a good one, laurelws.com. That's laurelws.com is the website. So uh, financial flowers, Steve, what do you think? Yeah. Well, <laughs> We, we certainly had our share of of April showers, so uh, yes, maybe, indeed. maybe May will bring some financial flowers. Okay. But, um, oh, well, 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 great. <laughs> what a great transition. Good for you. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, again, we're talking about really the way things are right now with a volatile market and people are nervous. And, you know, you talk about uh, how to handle market swings. I did a Google search and, and there were millions of returns on various ways and stories and, you know, hand wringing and all kinds of stuff uh, that talk about that. But how do we handle a volatile market in a retirement and income plan? So the first thing is having a retirement income plan, ah, first of that's all. That's key. <laughs> <laughs> that's number one. Uh, and then it's it's about time segmenting your assets. What I mean by that is that the market sometimes is going to go down like what we, we've had for the, you know, we've had a pretty much a March was okay, but, you know, three of the first four months were pretty, were pretty horrific. And so it's going to have periods like this. And a typical correction, it usually takes about nine months to get back to a new high. If we go into a really bad bear market, like a 2008, or um, you know, if you want to go back a little further, like a 1973, it, it typically goes, takes about four or five years to get back to, to new highs on the market. So what you want to do is you want to, you want to find out what your lifestyle is costing you and the money that you're going to spend or you're projected to spend in the next five years, that should not be in the stock market. If that's the case, then when the market goes down like this, you have time on your stock investments to ride it out. And even in a bad five-year period, there's usually pockets where it's pretty good, where you could replenish your safe assets um, when the market's doing a little bit better. But you don't need to panic sell. And, and you're much more prone to panic sell in retirement because you're not working anymore and you're not earning the money anymore. 
So what happens a lot of times is, you know, a, a client will come, will, will, have, will not have a plan or they'll, they'll have one of these kind of cookie cutter plans where they're in, you know, a, uh, an asset allocation of, of 15, 16 mutual funds. And then they see the statement go down, you know, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 in a month and they panic and sell out and say, I'm just going to cash. And that's, that's the absolute wrong thing to do. And you're much less likely to do that if you say to yourself, well, you know what, the money I'm living on in the next five years is not at risk in the market. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay riding this out. And it gives you that long time horizon that you need to have money positioned in the stock market. That really is the, the, a great strategy. And, and I know that's one of the things that you help people with is to, to protect that money so that, and I'm guessing that because of the way that, that you structure the plans, I'm guessing that your current clients, they're not ringing up your phone saying, I'm nervous. They're just, they're just living their life. No, for the, yes, I, I would say, you know, of the, of the clients I, I deal with, I have maybe during a, a market drop like this, I would say I have less than a half of a percent of my clients that will call me nervous. And usually the clients that call me nervous, it's, we've, you know, we've, uh, had the, it's, we've had major gains in their account and now they're just, they're worried that they're going to lose all the gains that they made. And so it's more of it, the core of that call is more of a greed standpoint than uh, than a, <laughs> sure. a fear standpoint, right? Because they're saying, well, you know, we were up so much and now it, it's going down. Maybe we should have, you know, but if, if they still have a ample amount for their, for their, their spending needs in something safe, it's not a time to sell when the market goes down. And then you have to have a thesis about where the market is going, which we're going to talk uh, a little bit more on this show. And so, Sometimes you have to be able to cut through the noise and look at the fundamentals. And right now there's the the sentiment in the market is completely negative. And so when you have an overwhelming amount of negativity, it te you tend to ignore what would otherwise be interpreted as good news and just focus on the negative aspects of whatever is being reported. And that can be detrimental because if you if you if you think hey we're we're all you know the markets are going to go down we're going to have a major crash and you move everything to gold and then three weeks later the market rebounds you're now stuck in gold which might not do anything for uh you know several years and i you you see that uh especially when i'm talking to people for the first time they'll say oh the market what do you think about gold you know you know or what do you I think the market is going to go down. The market's going to crash. We've had 10 great years. Well, the market is, the stock market is a function of earnings. So first thing you want to look at is, are corporations continuing to earn money? Um, are they earning it at a, at a sustainable clip? And how, how is the core of the economy? And that's what something we're going to talk about a little bit more detail. Sure. Well, I mean, you talk about the negativity and boy, it is everywhere. It's hard not to see it. And it's hard not to be a little bit affected by it. And, you know, they talk about the GDP decreasing at an annual rate of 1.4% in the first quarter. Uh, that brings on fears of recession. Well, we uh, caught up with U.S. Uh, Chief U.S. Economist with Oxford Economics, Kathy Busjancic. She uh, said on CNBC recently that there is decent momentum now, but the risk will rise later this year. And that's really because some of this momentum that we see in the economy starts to ease. And at that time, we think the Fed um, gets to a more restrictive policy stance. And, and maybe really the Fed does 
hold the key here, uh, as it many times does for the economy and, and also clearly for the financial markets. Well, let me ask you this on, on that. Uh, so does the Fed control the market or does the market control the Fed? I think that's the question. Uh, I think it's a it's a, a balance of the two. But we're, let's let's unpack a little bit of what you said. Good. Can the Fed control the economy? Can the Fed take a robust economy and cause a recession? And let's look at history. On average, when the Fed starts a rate hiking cycle, it takes about two and a half years for the for the economy to go into recession from the first rate hike. Now, you know, there's always the possibility there are outliers where it could go into recession sooner, but the Fed is usually only raising rates when the economy is robust and growing. And so you had in the fourth quarter, you had 5.7% economic growth. And now you had a negative 1.4. But if you unpack that number, a lot of that was from a trade deficit, right? So the core of the, the US economy is, or the core economic activity, two thirds of the economic activity is consumer spending. And actually consumer spending grew faster in the first quarter than it did in the fourth quarter when we had a you know a, a significant uh, GDP read. Well, again, those I like your optimism, Steve. And, and on that note, let's invite folks to call. Come on in and, and maybe you can put their minds to rest. Yeah, no, and that's the and I like that when people come in and meet me for the first time. Bring me your 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 conspiracy conspiracy <laughs> theories and, and what you're you know what you're thinking about the market. I love I love hearing all different opinions. Um, what I try and do is try and get you th to think and take a step back and look at things kind of logically and kind of distract your, you know, stop yourself from being distracted by the noise. And we have about seven spots left. We would love to hear from our listeners. We love it when you guys call in. We we love it when you when you email us your questions. And um, you know, we want to sit down with you, put together a plan. We do have seven spots left for that, so uh, please call. 800-705-9995. You heard Steve, still seven spots available for you. Make that call while you're thinking of it. 800-705-9995. Going from acquisition to distribution of your retirement dollars is a big change. It can also be a financial stumbling block if you're not prepared. We'll break it all down when we come right back. back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, of course, Steve is a best-selling author, president and founder of Laura Wealth Solutions, uh, and uh, you are a non-practicing member of the California Bar. How did that happen, Steve? What, <laughs> tell me that story. Life happened. So Okay, I, all right, uh, I like it. <laughs> so I, at the time, had a, uh, I was living in New York, and I had a job offer to go out to, uh, to California to work as a um, at a major financial firm a, as an advisor in La Jolla, and so I uh, I was enrolled already in Brooklyn Law. Um, I had, uh, but then I got this job offer, so I um, kind of scrambled and switched to Concord Law, which is a kind of a more of a virtual format, which is kind of apropos of what's going on today in the the, the pandemic. Sure. And then my wife got pregnant and. Her whole family lives in New York, so we weren't going to California anymore. So that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah, so that's how, but I had already, I had already enrolled over there, and so I, I did the classes virtually. Uh, then you had to fly out to California a couple of times, 
Um, you have to take a, a test at the end of your first year, and then you take the bar exam. I passed the bar exam, but I, I knew I was probably never going to practice in California. But, um, you know, I still pay my dues every year and, sure. and, and what have you. But, well, I tell you what, I um, think I think having the law background, having that sort of uh, perspective on things brings a, a really a new dimension to being a financial advisor. You see things a little bit differently. I know one of the other advisors I work with is an attorney like you, a non-practicing attorney. But again, you just bring this level of, of expertise and the way you look at things is different. The way you read a document is different than probably how I read a document. Yeah, no. And, and the way we do planning is a little bit different too, because uh, I'm going to look at what the end game is. And so one of the things that our plans will show you is if you stay on your current spending pace, this is how much money you'll have at the end of your life expectancy. So if we, if, you know, whether it's 90 or 95, whatever we plug in as your life expectancy, it will show you. And then you'll say, is, is that the result you want? And if so, who's that money earmarked for? And it's good to know, like, if that money's going to go to a charity, there are things that we can do today that could generate you current tax benefits. Um, if that money's earmarked for your children, there are, there are strategies we can employ to get the money to them as efficiently as possible. So having having that law background, I think it, it, it causes me to look at kind of the end of your retirement, which is obviously your estate plan, and, and kind of back in starting with what we know. All right, if we know there's potentially going to be this amount of money left over and this is where you want it to go, what can we do today to make, to make that as efficient as possible? Well, let's talk about the uh, the current state of our economy, and and I know people are it's all gloom and doom. But you have lived through this. I mean, you've been helping folks for over twenty years. You've seen some ups and downs. You've you've weathered these storms. How do we do it? How do we navigate through, uh, you know, a potential market downturn like this? So the first thing you need to do in a market in a market to use your storm analogy is you have to actually be able to read the Doppler. Okay. And, so, <laughs> and so you have to look and say, is this a legitimate storm? Is this, a, is there, is this something that is just going to be quickly passed? And so you have to determine, is this a bear market or is this a correction? And what you want to look at there is you want to look at the cor corporation's ability to earn and what they're forecasting. So right now, um, the S&P 500 companies are forecasting about over 10% earnings growth over the course of this next year. So even as bad as the stock market has been, and right now it's trading at maybe 17 times its current earnings, but if they're growing their earnings at 10%, that means you have both an opportunity for them to trade higher because uh, you know, in a good market, the, the multiples could expand to about 20 times earnings, and also they're growing their earnings. So at some point, cooler heads will prevail and the markets will move higher because the the value is there the intrinsic value so this is different from other market corrections that we've had so just in my career the the one that uh i think stands out the most is the one from 2000 to 2002. now in march of 2000 there were stocks that had completely shot the moon that had no earnings whatsoever now there are a handful of those um in this current market, but the majority of the stocks that people own right now are companies that have solid earnings, like an Apple or a Microsoft or a Google, um, and they're growing those earnings at a significant at a significant rate of return. So, um, my feeling is that this is probably more of a correction and not a bear market. And if that's the case, 
the market will come back up and make a new high um, sooner rather than later, meaning you're not going to have to sit in the market for three or four years um, to get, you know, to get back to a level where you'd want to sell. And so that's the first thing is kind of just reading it correctly. Okay, that makes sense. 800-705-9995, folks, if you'd like to have a read on that. Um, so let's talk uh, Let's talk safe income. I mean, that's really what retirement's all about is income. How does that measure in and how does that follow through with the with the strategy you just laid out? So safe means safe, right? Uh, so, um, you know, it's, and I'm always, I'm always curious as to people's definitions of safe, especially when I'm looking at, at, at you know, other people's assets when I'm, when I'm meeting someone for the first time and they'll say, oh, this is my, this is my safe income stuff. And then they're, they have it all in, you know, uh, a hospitality REIT or, um, you know, they're, they're in a bunch of structured product income notes that are linked to, you know, three or four stocks with 30, 40% downside protection that yes, those provide income. They provide predictable income, but it's not safe um, because your principal can drop. Um, same thing with bonds. There's a, there's a perception that bonds are safe. Bonds move opposite interest rates. So a little bit of a move can, can move your bond portfolio down pretty significantly. And so um, even though they're considered less volatile than stocks, they have significant downside. And guess what? If you're not in plain vanilla bonds that are giving you coupons, or if you're not in something like I-bonds, um, what you're getting, what you're getting on the bond fund, they can change that rate too. So what the manager will do when they're hemorrhaging principal is they'll drop the yield on the bond fund. I want to have as much liquidity as possible in retirement. So let me find the investment that's going to produce me the income that I need for the fewest amount of dollars so that therefore I have more money liquid because I'm not tying up as much to produce the income. And when you look at, when you analyze your income investments through that prism, it becomes obvious that something like a fixed annuity is going to be much better than bonds because, uh, you know, bonds, it might take you to produce $12,000 of income, might take you $600,000 in bonds, where you might be able to produce that that same type of income in something in, in some of the fixed annuity products out there or fixed indexed annuity products out there, you might be able to produce that for $200,000. So I'll, I'd rather have, you know, uh, we, we've used the analogy on the on this show before, but if you remember those total cereal commercials from the eighties for one bowl of total, you need four bowls of cornflakes or yeah, whatever right, it was. Exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> same idea. I'll take the one bowl of annuity rather than three bowls of of bonds if it means I have to tie up six hundred thousand dollars in bonds to produce the income I need. And so, you know, once you look at things and you analyze everything objectively, there's no such thing as a bad financial product. The reason these products, some of these products, get bad raps is because the way the advisor sold them, or they they sell them as an incorrect fit. So there's sometimes a bad fit, but there's they're not doesn't mean the product itself is bad. So if you're buying a product, you want to buy it for the right the right reason. Sure. Well, and again, on that note, folks, I mean, that, that was a great explanation. I love that whole process. And, and if you'd like to be a part of it, folks, give Steve a call right now. Yeah, we have four spots left. We'd love to hear from you. 800-705-9995. That's the number. 800-705-9995. Time once again for questions from our listeners. That and more when we come right back. Hey, 
Hey, we are back on a very fast-paced retirement referee show with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And uh, Steve, this has been a super fast-paced show, but man, I've been taking furious notes. This is, you're, you're laying out some great stuff here. I, you know, I, this is what I love. I mean, I've been doing it for over 20 years as we talk about, um, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I get a little emotional or, but it's because I really believe in it, that the, there are a lot of mistakes being made and I want to, I want to make sure our listeners aren't among those people making those mistakes, especially in times like this, this is when you want to have someone who believes in what they're doing and is giving you the right advice. And, you know, it, it's important. And that's, and that's why we want to try and, uh, reach out to as many of our listeners as possible. That's why we offer the free spots every week. And that's why we we go through these questions because some of these questions that come in, I'm sure you, you might be sitting in your car thinking these exact same things. And sure. so that's, that's why we want to go through them. All right, 800-705-9995. Uh, all right, let's jump into some of these questions. Well, we've got time. Uh, Bob's, uh, Bob's wondering, he says, I'm a little bit torn about how to approach my retirement planning. On one hand, I want to really understand all of the details about my plan, but I've talked to a couple of financial advisors who act like I should just let them handle all the details. Am I being a control freak by wanting to know everything that's going on? Bob, I'm so glad you asked this question. I love this question. And so this is one of the things I, I talk about in choosing an advisor in my book. I absolutely hate when financial advisors make the doctor analogy and they try and act all holier than thou. First of all, there's, you know, I, I, you know I'm not going to knock myself, but I mean, the, the, we're, not, we're not doctors, right? Right. <laughs> this is not... This is not surgery. We're not, you know, um, so it's you, you, you have access to information and you can, you can have an input in the process. It's your money. Of course you should have an input in the process. What you should look for is someone who will, when you ask them a question, will give you an answer and it may not be the answer you want to hear. So a good advisor is going to give you a rationale as to why they think you're wrong. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's your money. So if you decide you want to do that, they can they can tell you, hey, this is wrong and this is why. But you're still in control. You're the one calling the shots. You're the one in the driver's seat. It's your money. So um, when an advisor says, oh, you should just let them handle all the details, and maybe maybe they're you know maybe they're 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 going to do a great job. But you they, you should exactly you should understand what. How, what their process is and what how they're going to select the investments they're going to select. And you have a right to ask every every single question you want to ask. And that's not being a control freak at all. And that's that's actually, you know, a good advisor would expect that from you and would want would want uh, you to ask questions because right. it, a good advisor realizes that if you ask a question, Bob, it's really an opportunity for them to give you a second helping of the facts and make sure you really understand why you own the stuff that you own. Well, and, and again, it goes back to education. You're teaching them these are the things that, you know, work for, you know, that have worked for others. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Bob, uh, 800-705-9995, if you want to learn a little bit more. Shirley has a question. She says, I'm considering cutting back to work part-time. I'm 63 years old. My husband passed away a few years ago. Would it be possible to receive his Social Security benefits and still work part-time? Uh, you would be collecting widow's benefit, which are reduced for claims if you place them before your own full retirement age. So I'm assuming your full retirement age is either 67 or 66 in a few months. Um, 
So there are limits on how much uh, you can earn while collecting widow benefits prior to your full retirement age. That limit's adjusted each year. And then after your benefit will be reduced by $1 per every $2 earned over the limit, which is around 19,000. Um, so meaning if you made, uh, if you made say 39,000, your benefits would be reduced by $10,000 because you made $20,000 over the limit. And but ultimately so, you get that back, right? You do, but it, it doesn't come back to you in a lump sum. Okay. It, it comes back to you in, in a future date into payments, okay. in the payments. All right. So you will eventually get it back, but, um, at the same time, if you, if you're working part-time, if you can keep the salary under 19,000, that's better. Um, but you know, it's not, it, it's a lot of times you might get a part-time job where you're making 30 or $40,000. It's still better to have the 30 or $40,000 and have the social security withheld. Um, than than not making the thirty thousand sure. dollars if you want to work Absolutely. right so it, that and that's a decision that you'd make inside the context of a plan but if it's something you enjoy doing um it's it's a good problem to have it's not a bad problem sure and again you can learn more folks ssa.gov search for the security benefits guide um all right shirley again if you want to talk to steve directly 800-705-9995 ross has a question uh wondering why does a bond lose value due to government interest rate increases and advancing market conditions boy he is uh, couldn't be more timely yeah so ross i i, I wanted to take your question this week because you know, this is something that a lot of a lot of people they they hear it on the news. Oh, bonds lose value as rates are going up, but they're not really understanding it. So I'm going to try and explain it to you in the, as simple of a way as possible. Let's just say, think about think about family members or friends, or let's just say I asked you, Ross, can I borrow a thousand bucks from you? And you say fine, um, but you have to pay me two percent interest. Now, a year goes by and someone else uh, asks you for money, but the interest rates are at 3%, right? So if you could take your $1,000 and get 3% from someone else, what happens to my $1,000 where you're getting 2%? Is it more valuable or less valuable? Well, it's less valuable, right? Because you could take your new money and invest it at a higher interest rate. And so as interest rates go up, the value of the bond goes down because the in, the lower interest rate that you're getting is not as valuable as what you could get currently. And so the principle on the, the price someone's willing to pay you for that bond is, is less. So if you had a, a 10-year bond at 2% and someone could go out and get 3% on a 10-year bond, they're not going to pay you as much for that, for that bond. And then the reason why longer bonds are more volatile or more sensitive to interest rates than short-term bonds is because that same premise, if I've locked in the rate for 30 years at say two and a half percent, and I could get 4% currently, I, I might have to wait 29 more years to be able to adjust to that higher rate. So the price is going to drop even more. And hopefully, I mean, I think that I've always explained it that way, and I think it's the easiest way to understand. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Easy to follow. Absolutely. And again, boy, we are up against the clock already, Steve. Let's uh, go ahead and invite folks to call one last time. Yeah, please call in. Uh, we know that there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot of reasons to feel nervous, but it really helps to have kind of a sounding board and have someone who has experience with these type of markets 
and to sit down and talk it out and figure out how the, the market moves have impacted your ability to retire. And that's the peace of mind that we offer. You have two spots left. We'd love to hear from you. Um, it's it's the most rewarding part of, of doing these shows is, is hearing from real listeners like yourselves and 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 sitting down and doing those plans. Absolutely, folks. It's a phone call away. Do it while you're thinking of it. 800-705-9995. Get that comprehensive financial review that Steve just talked about. You'll find that you now have a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. Steve, as always, a pleasure. to. This show goes by so quickly, but man, the information's great. Really enjoyed it today. Yeah, I love doing it. Uh, we love we love hearing from our listeners. We we thank you for listening, Orlando, and we'll be back here again next week. The information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Crusoe offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. Coach P Radio!